up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Alternative Blacks Podcast. This is season four? Four? Four. Four. Yeah, we've made it. Um, this will be the... F- I, I think it's four. First episode of season four, or possibly three, uh, is going to be with Carbon Copy. As always, follow us on Instagram and wherever you get podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at Alternative Blacks Pod. And if you're interested in subscribing to our Patreon, the link will be in the bio. Thank you, guys. But before we get into this, my name is Tyler Washington, joined always by my host, co-host, Chris. Yeah, that's how we're going to do it. If you're watching this on YouTube, we're just going to be leaning a lot. Uh, We're really excited today to be joined by Kyle and Brendan from Carbon Copy. I'm going to have you guys introduce yourselves, just who you are, and maybe a little brief history into your brewing experience. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for coming out on a on a sunny Monday. Oh yeah, you know, the weather started to turn, it's getting a little nicer. Uh, but yeah, my name is Kyle, and I'm Brendan. Yeah, and uh, we're Carbon Copy Beer and Wine. We do both, so we're not just a brewery. But um, yeah, we've been uh, open now for a little over three months. We opened in December of 2022. Um, we're out here in West Philadelphia on the corner of 50th and Baltimore, and. Uh, yeah. What what else is there to say, really? <laughs> Sorry, it's my first time doing this, oh, you know? Like great. <laughs> great. Uh, before we get into more of this, how about we talk a little bit about what we are drinking here today? So we can start with what you're drinking. We are both drinking the same thing. It's uh, Moat, which is our Belgian table beer. It's like uh, 4% uh, hopped with Motueka and, and Simcoe, Simcoe and yeah. Crystal. Yeah, it's been a while since we brewed this one, but we're yeah. on like the last keg, so we're kind of like cherishing our last moments. Yeah, we're going to be pretty bummed when this one runs out, I think. So are you going to do a different beer then afterwards? Um, we'll probably rebrew this beer, but um, yeah, like part of our part of our like uh, approach to the, the brewery is to kind of like keep some constant beers around all the time, but still have some seasonality and, and one-off beers every now and then, but not like a different beer every week, so like... If you find that you like a beer, you can actually like come back and drink it again. Not like, oh, they brewed it once and they'll never make it again. But that being said, we'll, we'll probably work it back into the schedule, but we, we'll definitely keep like more of like, we got to keep Bindle and Spur around first and foremost. But we like having this little hoppy Belgian number on the menu as well. We love a good variety. Um, so he's drinking Bindle? Yeah, Bindle is our North German style Pilsner. So kind of think like Yaver. So it's got a little bit more of a present bitterness than maybe other Pilsners. But, yeah, um, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, but, but it's absolutely delicious. Thanks. It's one of my favorite Pilsners I think I've had in a long time. Oh, and thank you. We were just we were just at uh, the foodery last night looking for Pilsners. Like, what Pilsners have we had that are actually like good that we could go back to? We couldn't think of anything. This would be one of those for me, absolutely. The foodery, what a classic yeah. spot. I mean, I haven't, yeah. I haven't been to the, I don't live near there. Like, I know that there's two. There's one in like, on Spruce and 10th, and then. There's one in Northern Liberty. Yeah, the, and I think yeah, that's, that's the one, one that we you're were at. at. Yeah. 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 Then there's like, another one in like Rittenhouse area. Is there? Yes, yeah. yes there is. That's yeah. the first one. The, yeah. yeah, in the Rittenhouse area, yeah. The I like, actually. oh really? Yeah, that's sad. Mm. Yeah, we definitely think people shy away from, you know, hopping pilsners uh, until, like, you have, like, a really fresh, like, German pills. You might not think it's as hoppy, but we usually get them a little bit older than uh, 
you know, by the time they get over here. Uh, so we wanted something that had a lot of, you know, uh, nice clean bitterness, but also like a lot of hoppy aroma and flavor too. So um, use some Hollertown middle fruit and an American hop called Sterling. Sterling? Yeah. I don't know if I've heard of Sterling. Have you heard of Sterling? I have not, but now I want to make an archer here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very much not a cool hop, so <laughs> most people, you wouldn't see it like on like an IPA or anything like that. It's not one of those sexy hops. No, what are definitely sexy not. Hops? Motuika, I hear that a lot. I would say that one, like, in my opinion, like Nelson, yeah. Sauvin, like Galaxy. Citra Mosaic. Yeah, Citra Mosaic had kind of like stepped out of the spotlight a little bit, but people still love them. They're you just know? kind of a, they're kind yeah. of just like a given at this point. Yeah, it's like at this point, if you're not using Citra Mosaic, it's like, I was about to say, because yeah. Mosaic used to be one of those hops that like I kept my eye out for because I loved it. I think like mm-hmm. Chill Wave uh, mm-hmm. from Great Lakes was one of my favorite. Oh, Great Lakes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I just don't see it as often. That one particular, but mosaic is you like Citra and Simcoe. Simcoe. Oh, Simcoe's the yeah. Simcoe's best. one of our like favorites. It, it like I knew I liked this guy. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it like does both. You know, like it's got all those like fruity aromas, but then it also has the traditional like grassiness and and earthiness that I like too. Yeah, I think the beer for me that got me onto Simcoe was Simcoe Samurai from uh, Pizza Boy. Oh, cool. Pizza Boy and Enola. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. been up there. It's a great facility. Yeah, they. that was like a one-off beer they did, like you're saying. Never saw it again after I had it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just always like, searching for Samurai, Simcoe Samurai. Yeah. Forever. And that was, that beer changed my life for hops. Like, that was the beer. I'm like, wow, Simcoe. Simcoe and rye. It's so great. Yeah. Yeah, we have Simcoe in our, in our pale ale. We put it in a small Belgian beer. Yeah. It's in the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, so great. We're Much better big than fans. Mosaic. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have the hop war all the time, which hop is better. Um, I actually did get to try this at Milchild Clubhouse. Uh, they, ha- they have it on draft. They usually have a really good like draft list that's pretty local. Yeah. Um, so we, I was here for the grand opening that weekend, but since then I haven't been back to have another beer. And so when... We were there like yesterday or something like that. I was just like, oh, I gotta have one just to like not come in dry. I gotta have a little taste again. And it is a wonderful, wonderful Pilsner. Uh, Hannah, who's over here helping with the recording, is not a Pilsner person, but she even enjoyed it. Oh, so oh. That, well, that's, that's a compliment. A, that's a huge compliment. Yeah. <laughs> she has popped into a live before and we dropped her from the live because she started hating on Pilsner. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what am I drinking? Uh, that's Spur, our West Coast IPA. Um, so tried to go pretty traditional with that. Um, tried to get it pretty dry. Has Simcoe, some um, CTZ or Columbus, uh, which is like a super pungent, crazy high alpha acid hop. Um, and then some kind of classic Centennial, um, you know, like the main hop that's in Two Hearted. Um, a little, little bit of citrus. Just a little, <laughs> bit. <laughs> a little bit of citrus. This is a wonderful beer. Uh, in a juicy, heavy, like, IPA world, sometimes the, like, West Coast style uh, is a very refreshing yeah. thing to have. And that's why I kind of like getting that pininess. But, the, like, the citra with this piney is a really nice balance. It's not too much of, like, a punch in the face of pine. So. Yeah. Brendan lived in San Diego for a few years and brewed out there. So he, the, the West Coast style definitely is near and dear to his heart. He definitely where, is, like, always refined. Uh, I was at Modern Times for a couple of years out there. Oh, wow. And then uh, 
moved back here. I'm from right outside of West Philly and Drexel Hill. So nice. nice. Moved back with missed the family and got a nice job offer. So I had to, you know, <laughs> my my girlfriend decided to move back from from San Diego to here. So she's kind of kind of crazy. Uh, but come with me to Philadelphia. Beautiful. <laughs> you know, you California is nice. Yeah. nice. But how about, how about Philadelphia? Snowy, cold. <laughs> I dragged her from New York, so. Mm. Same, you know, same some, some reason Philly has a pool. It, it, it has a pool? <laughs> it does. I mean, I'm originally from Indiana, and I, I love Philadelphia. It's great. <laughs> so I know you guys have a pretty good history of breweries that you guys have worked on. Um, for those that aren't familiar with you guys, uh, aren't familiar with Carbon Copy, I, I think it would be really nice just to kind of go through your beer journey up until now, just to give them a little background of you know the knowledge that really is existing in this brewery. For sure. You want you want to go first? Sure. Um, so, had been working front of house in beer focused spots and and breweries for a while. Uh, finished up grad school and you know decided what a what better thing to do than be a brewer than instead of what I went to school for. So, uh, what'd you go to school for? Uh, audiology. Okay. Yeah. So a pretty big jump. I thought that, I thought that a lot too. Yeah. Actually. It was never actualized. It like yeah. It was uh, a real, uh, either do it and get it out of your system or, you know, fall in love with it and do it forever. And here I am now. Uh, so I was there for a few years, started out just packaging beer Kind of worked my way into the lab and then the barrel program, so a lot more on the packaging, quality, seller side of things. Um, got offered a job at Tired Hands to run their, um, they called it the dispensary, it was like their oak fermentation facility, and then build a lab out of there. So I was there for four or five years um, and had met Kyle um, before he started working at Tired Hands, but. Um, we had worked together for a few years over there. Yeah. And we quit in 2020, middle of pandemic. And we're like, you know what? It's time to quit our jobs. This is a good <laughs> All this uh, uncertainty makes me want to have more uncertainty. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right. Really go all in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I am originally from Indiana. I got my first brewing job at Three Floyds brewery but I had wor I had worked there for many years prior to that I started working there when I was like 16 as a dishwasher in the kitchen kind of like climb the kitchen ropes and then when I was like 20 they like because kitchens have high turnover so by that time I would worked my way up so high they're like do you want to be the sous chef and I was like not really I don't like cooking it's just like a job that was flexible and like I was going to school too and uh I could take time off and stuff, so I liked it, but I was like, I don't really want to be a, a chef or anything. Like, I'd really be interested in working in the brewery, and they let me. When I turned 21, they gave me a job in the brewery, and I worked there for five years as just like a cellarman and pr production like brewer, and then they asked if I wanted to move to Copenhagen, Denmark, and open a brewery for them there. And I was like 25 at the time. I was like, yeah, that sounds really cool. You want me to move to Europe and brew beer? And it was because it was like an American style. They like teamed up with a Danish brewer named McKellar and they were opening an American style brewery, brew pub slash Texas barbecue restaurant. 
So they needed an American brewer to move there. And I was like, all right. And I mean, they did it right. They had like Texas smokers and they had like a little glossary to tell people like what macaroni and cheese was because like no one knew what that was. It was crazy. I think the funniest thing is going like out of the country and stumbling into like an American bar. I went to Calgary and I had to wait for my hotel. And I remember just like trying to find a quick spot nearby Mm -hmm. to drop in. And I was there to like see the difference between like America and Canada and first place I walk in is an American bourbon bar and I'm like this was the exact opposite of yeah <laughs> I'm trying to experience culture <laughs> but yeah we were definitely a, an oasis for Americans over there uh, but yeah I so I helped like open that brew pub and ran it for three years uh, over there like a lot of they had like a festival every year so there's like tons of American brewers coming in and out like a lot of collaboration beers with people and one of those led to a job offer at uh, Hill Farmstead in Vermont so I was over I mean I was living in Europe and I was like it's really nice here but it's a pretty good opportunity to go here too you know so I decided to come back to the US to work there um, moved there in August it was beautiful warm and then the winter came and it was cold <laughs> and, and desolate yeah so I Realized that maybe like rural Vermont living wasn't for me uh, and at that time I had already met like Brendan and a few other people that worked at Tired Hands and and then they had reached out and like offered me a job at their Fermenteria like production brewery and I was like yeah I'd like to live in the city again like I already know people that work there and they're all really nice so moved down here uh, and worked there for three-ish years and met Brendan and then like kind of started talking about Open our own thing, and then yeah, then we did it. So yep. mid pandemic, mid pandemic job, and here you guys are. And here yeah. we are. Here we are. Yeah, it took a little bit of time, but you know, finally found a place that felt right. Um, looked at a lot of other places, and nothing really hit that. Like you know, yeah, constantly cool. questioning, like, is this the right decision? Like when this opportunity came up, we were like, this is the spot. This makes all the sense in the world to us yeah okay so why did that make all the sense in the world like what were you looking for specifically in a in a location we were initially thinking a little bit kind of a larger kind of brewery maybe do a little bit more distribution um but that didn't really just didn't feel like right to try to work really hard and then just send our kind of beer out in the world we'd rather like build a place that people come enjoy it we can brew on a small enough scale that we can really dial in the recipes um so we have a 10 barrel system here so you know some of our like our main beers we're on third fourth fifth batches of um and then just kind of really hone that in try to you know make a nice consistent um consistent beer and then be kind of more of a neighborhood focused spot uh kind of keep like the beer on draft or the the draft list to be more like you'd find at like a beer bar or something where it's you know kind of more curated a little bit more um diverse have like a little bit of something for everybody something for everyone instead of having like 10 ipas on on the list that have just like slightly different hops we want to have like different styles like kind of like the brew pubs of the early 2000s or something where you have like some stronger beers some lighter beers like we have like a Baltic Porter on right now, like 
I love really, a Baltic Porter. Oh, yeah. So. I just didn't think that was a good one to start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to work your way up to the Baltic Porter. Yeah. You know? um, so you guys opened during the pandemic, right? Or you were starting to... We were we were business. in planning during the pandemic. Yeah, we like quit our quit our previous jobs in like April. We put in our notice and we were done in October of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then spent the, the 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 time from there like looking at locations, like trying to like form a business plan, all all that that part, all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, we didn't open until December of 2022. So and we took over this spot in June of 22. So most of the like early days of the pandemic were actually spent kind of like tweaking our original plan. Like Brennan said, we originally were looking for something a little bigger, looking for like a warehouse that we would like fit out to have a brewery in it. Um, Originally we weren't thinking about doing like food at all. And then like seeing like the changes that happened in beer during the pandemic kind of like altered our path and kind of like, I think for the better, like I'm, really happy with like how everything kind of turned out like we saw that a lot of people like during the pandemic like maybe before that people were into like new beers every week and like trying all these different things but during the pandemic at least for like us personally and what we saw is like a lot of people trying to buy like something that they knew to familiar to like have in the fridge like uh, for me it was like daisy cutter from half acre i would like get the 12 packs one of my favorites have it in my fridge you know like (laughs) I would have like that and a Pilsner and I kind of like switch it up, but like. I have never walked out of half, I've been to Half Acre I think two times, never walked out of there with like a clear mind. Like, have it you, is have a you dangerous. ever actually walked out of there? No. <laughs> it's, it's always a dangerous place. Daisy Cutter's good. And I think what, what's interesting about what you're bringing up is craft beer drinkers, I feel, love the variety, but it was something about the pandemic that made you want to go to Old Familiar. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that was uh, so comfort beer. comfort beer. Yeah. So with yeah. that being said, like um, looking at how the pandemic impacted the brewery and how you guys adapted to that, because as you said, the process of building this out was mainly during like the pandemic. So I think for a lot of people, starting something new kind of would have been a very scary idea. How, how did you guys adapt to to the pandemic with this venture? Well, it definitely was a scary idea, uh, you know, but you just got to kind of like anything. Sometimes you just got to really just jump in and try to do it if you're going to do it. Um, One thing, you know, we saw was like we always knew canning and having packaged beer was really important. Um, And we initially had like thought about the mobile canning kind of situation, but seeing like how that affected other people's businesses. Like everyone was trying to can at that point and then the scheduling and then the increase in cost of that just aluminum cans shortage and everything like it just made more sense, like more sense to us to buy a small line. Uh, we're like, we need to figure out how to work that into the budget. That's kind of like, that's probably the shiniest newest toy that we have. Um, just let us, really make beer on our own schedule instead of trying to make a bunch of beer have it all ready for like three weeks so that way you're like i'm getting the most out of you know this mobile canning company coming in because they're going to charge me a ton of money now we can 
do we've done as little as 20 30 cases in a run and we can really take our time and make sure that it's you know being filled like with quality in mind I, I think what's really interesting about your situation too is you guys had the opportunity to come into a building that was already a yeah brewery, an existing space right, yeah. that, which is a building that I actually did my first bartending shift at oh really uh, yeah, yeah this is my first place I've ever bartended at looks a little different than when you were here <laughs> yeah, right it yeah. <laughs> it's lighter somehow like it, it is it, a little it, lighter it makes you know me happy um, but I, I'm a little familiar with the the back space, but uh, I don't know if they were canning back here when when I had come in. So I I was primarily bartending at the south location for Dock Street. Uh, but can you talk talk to us a little bit about the operations here? How how does this all work for you guys? Yeah. So when when Dock Street was here, they they opened in I think 2007, and they were here for almost like. 16 or 17 years something like that yeah Yeah. um but when you came to do your bartending shift they had already at open south and had kind of i think they moved most of their like canning operations and like larger production operations over there uh but when dock street before they had the south location they also rented the building next to us it's like a garage they call it the cannery (laughs) and they actually had a the can line over there they had a hole in the wall to like connect the two spaces to like <laughs> and like some like pipes that like they would transfer the beer over there into larger tanks and logistically it was probably pretty great because they had a garage door it was on street level so like these are some challenges that we have now that we don't have that space but we've done a lot of like re- rearranging and reimagining of like what we wanted the brewery space to do and we've been able to do a lot more in a lot less space I think because we've worked at a few different breweries of like varying sizes, we kind of like knew what was important to us, like ample cold storage space. Like obviously we had to make sure the canning worked. We also uh, asked our landlord to put in a larger door so we can get in like uh, pallets or even even extra tanks in easier. Uh, And he was able to do that for us. And uh, yeah, we also got a few serving tanks so that we could transfer larger batches of beer into a serving tank that can be served on draft instead of like doing a ton more kegging. Cause right now Brendan and I are doing all the brewing packaging and also like overseeing like front of house operations as well as like other ownership responsibilities. So yeah, our, uh, our significant others really love that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> lots of time, but they are very supportive and like, yeah, they, they, they help out when they can too. And, and we've been able to get into a flow where we can kind of take some time off or I'll, I'll cover one day and Brendan covers the next so that we can, we can get some, some days off. So. so you do get some days off. Well, not full days. Well, every two weeks we get a full day off. Yeah. But. Every other Sunday. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty chill, you know. Yeah, it's a pretty, chill. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I, I work for the state, which, you know, the whole adage about state workers, when it's 5 o'clock, yeah, well, I'm you're done, done before that. But when it's five o'clock, well, it's like laptops unless closed. the world's on fire, we're dropping it and we're out the door. Yeah. So it, but it, it at the same time, it seems like it's you gotta love it, and it seems it has to be fun throughout all the stress, almost as yeah. well to make it bearable, I guess, for you guys. And um, I want to just take take a step back and kind of talk about the name because. Mm-hmm. I think Tyler has more uh, experience with you guys than I do in the history of it, but I'm kind of, I don't live in Philly, so I don't 
know all of this history, and I'm not a people person like Tyler. He knows <laughs> literally everyone. So uh, where, where does the name Carbon Copy come from? What's the inspiration behind it? Uh, yeah, the, the name has like a few different meanings. Like, I guess like the first one, first and foremost, is kind of like a tongue-in-cheek reminder to us to not be like a carbon copy of every other brewery. You know, a lot of people kind of just like jumping on bandwagons to be like, oh, this is the popular thing at the time, so I'm just going to do that and try to like make the most money. It's like, we just kind of want to like do our own thing. And I mean, it's not like we're not reinventing the wheel or anything, just but like we want to have hoppy beer, we want to have low ABV beers, pilsners, all that stuff, and kind of like just kind of do things our way. Uh, another meaning of it could be like uh, in terms of quality, like we want our beers to be consistently high quality and like consistent across the brand. So like if you're enjoying the bindle today, if you come back next week or next month or next year, like you know what it's going to be. It's like we, we try to like we're dialing it in. We're trying to get it to be like as consistent as possible. That, that's like a really key point to us. Um, being craft beer enthusiasts, we, we talk about the uh, industry a lot, and one of the hiccups or one of the things that we have to at least tip our hat to macro brewing is mm -hmm. the fact that they can consistently make the same thing over and over and over. And again. all over the world, too. Right. Like, they dial it in. Yeah, and so I, I think we've had beer at different breweries that we love, but when we go back to have that same beer, it's uh, not always quite the same. Yeah. So that uh, attention to detail is is huge and how, how has that affected like your thought going forward like are, are you do you see that as being like a limiting thing like where you can only really focus on so much beer or do you feel like because you're so focused you can actually attack more i think like being focused on you know like dialing certain things in like we've learned something new every single time we've brewed like a batch of gully like our ipa and all those small things go towards, you know, kind of the greater understanding of our system and our ingredients. Um, so I think in some ways it helps us with other beers too, so that way we know how certain hops are going to work or how this brew house works. Uh, so there's a lot less variables when we are brewing something new or something different. Um, I think it's like more challenging because there's you know it's a agricultural product hops change year to year grain changes year to year um, so trying to kind of see those changes and still keep the beer consistent is is definitely difficult um, but we'd rather do that than like just try to kind of the scatter shot just like oh, well, this is, like, pretty much the same beer, but these hops are different. So if it doesn't taste like it did before, it's a different beer, so it doesn't really matter. I love that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's Technical definitely, talk. Yeah. Exactly. That's where we get uh, really caught up in a lot of the times because as uh, we try to look forward into the future with us wanting to open up a brewery, this type of conversation is really intriguing to us about how do we approach certain things? How do we make sure that we're uh, delivering the best quality product that we can? 